Hi friends, and welcome to the second episode of The Windcast. This one is called There Are No Detours. Now, before we begin, here's the intro to the intro. This episode is going to be a bit more interesting, at least for me, because some of it is going to be very unscripted. Um, For those of you that are unaware, the previous episode, most of what I recorded were things that I wrote down and then read off because I felt like that was the best way to present content. Now, here in this episode, uh, I'm not quite sure if you're going to like it or not, but you know, this is my experiment, not yours, and I hope you enjoy it, but some of it is scripted and a large part of it is not. So, bear with me as I verbally process parts of my life that have not been written down. I've talked about it a lot with friends and family, but you know, it's just going to be an unexpected journey to the end of the episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Now, that was the intro to the intro, and here is the intro, and I have a few initial announcements needing to be made. The first is one Thank you, thank you, and thank you again to all of you who have listened to the first episode or who had listened to the first episode of the Windcast and shared your thoughts with me. As you might be aware, the first episode was very brief, far shorter than I had imagined. However, regardless of the length of time, many, many rich conversations followed with so many of you. And as I mentioned in the episode, that was one of the multiple intentions I had imagined for this entire podcast experiment. So again, thank thank you. I am joyfully expecting our conversations to continue as we walk forward together. Secondly, as promised, the Windcast is now available on all major podcast platforms. So I'm hoping that all of you can listen in whatever way is best for you. Also, for all of you Instagram people out there, I have created an account. It's called, or it's titled, at the underscore windcast. So, I'll say that again. At the underscore windcast. All lowercase. So, whenever a new episode drops, I will release a post related to the episode. If you're interested, feel free to follow the account for updates on new releases. However, if you are not on Instagram, which I know many of my friends are not, you can of course follow the podcast on the streaming platform of your preference. Or feel free to add me as a friend on Facebook. That's just Jonathan Wynn, as I will also release updates through my personal profile. And finally, For those of you that I have contacted about having you on my monthly e-newsletter list regarding all things Malawi, I was finally able to release the first newsletter almost two weeks ago. So, please check your email. I have heard from many that the email might have been sent to either your spam folder or a secondary folder and not your primary inbox. So you might have to look around or search moving to Malawi or search Jonathan Wynn to find it more quickly. 
I do apologize for the inconvenience that this might be, but hopefully the email algorithms will begin to recognize the newsletters and sort them properly down the road. Now, that was the intro to the intro, or that was the intro of the intro. Ah, I don't know, however it works. That was the last intro, and um, why don't we get this party started? Um, have you heard? There are no detours. Now, I believe I promised all of you on the previous episode that I would fill you in on my upcoming Malawi journey. Well, you should know, when I say upcoming, I mean that I am literally in Malawi right now, specifically in a city called Zomba on a beautiful, beautiful back patio overlooking an even more beautiful valley with birds chirping all around me. I hope you can hear them. Uh, It's absolutely wonderful. For those of you who like Google Maps, feel free to search and see where I'm talking about. Truly, I, I don't think you'll regret it. It is quite amazing. Yet, just because I have already begun to settle into Malawi in the past few days, this opportunity is something that has been in the works for almost nine years. For those of you who do not know me well, this episode is going to be a pretty good recap of those nine years, you know, plus or minus a few details leading to the present moment. For your sake, we will fast forward through the first 17 years of my life, a story perhaps for another time. So, my fellow Windcast listeners, here we go. As I mentioned in the previous episode, how I have been formed by a particular faith tradition, specifically the Jesus tradition, it all started when I was just a kid. You see, I grew up in a family that took me and my little brother to church from a very young age, so I was raised in church. I went to Sunday school every Sunday. I was part of the children's ministry. I was even in choir. You know, and we bounced around to a couple different churches as I continued to grow through my adolescent years, middle school, high school. But finally, we ended up at a church uh, towards the end of my high school career. And that's when my faith journey honestly started to become really interesting, you see, because before that, there were many of those years where, you know, I really didn't take my faith too seriously. And I I hate to confess that, but, you know, I got to be honest, it's just true. I really didn't care much for Jesus or the stories I grew up on. It really didn't affect my morality or my decision making. It was more of a cultural faith for me. And what was what began as a cultural upbringing turned into almost this conventional social thing that, you know, maybe many of you can relate to this, but it it honestly just became a social circle to become a part of. You know, from the last episode, I told many of you I'm from West Texas, it's almost just in the air, you know, going and participating in a church or a congregation or a faith group, whatever you want to call it. That's just kind of what you do, and if you don't do those things, then it actually seems 
kind of weird and people might look at you funny if you tell them you don't go to church. At least th that was what my experience. I, I realize there's a lot of people in West Texas that might not have that similar experience, but that was my, ex my experience. It was, we're going to go to church and we're going to listen to the stories and because we have to, and this is good, and, you know, yada, 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 and because mom and dad said so, and, um, you know, thank you, mom and dad, I appreciate it now, but at the time, you know, faith was just this abstract concept that just kind of floated in the air, and it really had no bearing, uh, no major influence on my life, and like I said, I carried my faith with me. I was very involved in church. Like I said, I went to youth group. I did all of the things you're supposed to do. I was very active, and it wasn't until high school, specifically the summer after my junior year of high school, where things really began to take a dramatic turn. For those of you familiar with uh, the St. Augustine's story, or not, you know, there was this moment of conversion. Uh, I would say true, a true turning point for me and my faith. I grew up going to church camp my entire life. It honestly, for me and many others, was just a game. Um, and I won't go into the details of what that game entailed, but it wasn't good. And it really had, again, no bearing on my life, no major impact. Um, it was quite interesting, the entire journey, but I digress. This summer, <laughs> as funny as it is to say now, you know, I had one of my best friends at the time, and he still is one of my best friends, but he told me he was actually driving me to drop me off at the bus to my youth group that was going to take me to church camp, and he... <laughs> told me in his truck, he said, now you better not go off and become essentially one of those Jesus freaks. Well, I disappointed him. <laughs> this this summer was different. This week at church camp was very different. And I ended up, for the first time in my life, choosing to actually take my faith seriously. Now, there are a lot of variables and a lot of things that went into that. You know, before I went into church camp, I was in a very unhealthy relationship with a girl and it wasn't great it was very manipulative on both sides and we were both so unhealthy as individuals and you know when you're in high school you think the world is just so small and it begins and ends in high school and you know if you break up it's the end of the world and so many emotions and you know I'm sure there's a lot of uh, physical uh, biology in there and psychology, you know, there was just a lot of different things factoring into a really, honestly, for me, a negative experience. I was not enjoying life. It was very difficult. And I was thinking to myself at this church camp, uh, which I love dearly, that, you know, something has got to give. Uh, life should not be this difficult. There were a lot of emotions flooding my mind and my heart, and I was, I, I don't know if I want to say that I was depressed, but I was very, very upset most of the time, and there were a lot of things that I was turning to to either numb or run away from the pain that I was feeling, and 
I felt like it was unhealthy. Um, I, you know, and I had multiple conversations with friends and my youth pastor at the time was very influential and he had a couple conversations with me and it was one of those church camp experiences where you go and you have small groups and everyone is sharing everything and I tend to be the person who doesn't share anything because one, I'm reserved and two, I just despise it when I think I'm allowing people to see me who I really am. Specifically, I hate exposing my weaknesses to others. That's a very hard thing for me to show other people. And it was just interesting. We were sitting in our small group the entire week and having conversations. And, you know, one person would share this and another person would share that. And all of their stories, all of the things that they were sharing seemed to just touch me. in my heart in a way that it hadn't before. And the biggest thing I felt was, wow, I'm not alone. At least I'm not alone in what I'm feeling. There seems to be a lot of people that are feeling and thinking the same things that I am. And I started to open up. I started to share. I started to become, with each passing day, a little bit more real, not only with myself, but with others. And to make a very long story short, uh, about the third or fourth night, uh, you know, every church camp probably has this in some form or fashion, but there's a worship service and something about the songs that we're playing, <laughs> the crowd that I was in, I'm not, the, the sermon, I'm sure, and everything leading up to it, I had a moment where I felt the Lord turning my heart. And I really don't know how to describe it. I've described it in the past as an audible kind of voice, but very, not not a loud voice like booming out of the sky, but more of this quiet whisper, Um, you know, this feeling of acceptance, this feeling of mercy, this feeling of love, this feeling of liberation, really. And in the moment, I felt like not only was I being invited into something new, but I felt like the invitation was also not just an invitation for me, but an invitation to extend the invitation to others. And I perceived this conversion experience, this divine experience as a turning point, as a moment in which it's now time to really begin to take my faith more seriously, and specifically this Jesus character more seriously that I had heard so much about and learned so much about growing up. So I did. And that was essentially my St. Augustine conversion. And from that point on, my life drastically changed. You know, I went back into high school. I essentially had to make new friends. I ended up breaking up with the girl uh, in the relationship I was in that was very unhealthy. And senior year was just very different. I started making new friends. I started carrying around a different, just completely different attitude, walking through my senior year of high school, down the halls, and I started to become more generous. I, you know, started to read scripture. I started to attempt to practice 
I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Mercy, I tried to be more joyful. Uh, there was a real, just almost entire turn of my personality and in the way that I viewed the world. And truly, it was liberating. And I had many new friends that accompanied, accompanied me along the way. And it was, it was a beautiful time. It was very, very beautiful. And along the path to my senior year or through my senior year, I ended up meeting another girl and we started a relationship. And, you know, to fast forward a little bit, we, we ended up becoming in a pretty serious relationship with each other uh, to the point where we, we dated all through our senior year of high school. We dated all the way through our freshman year of college, but unfortunately for me, I was not that great in high school. I did not do very well, and so I had to go to a more local university and attend there and get my GPA up so that way I could transfer to a different university where my significant other at the time was at. And I did it. I made it through the entire year, and we made it in our relationship through the entire year. It was very difficult and, you know, lots of traveling back and forth. I was still essentially living in Amarillo, but I was driving back and forth to Lubbock almost every other weekend, or it, that's what it seemed like at the time. And that, after that year, I ended up, again, raising my GPA good enough to where I decided I wanted to become a Bible major at Lubbock Christian University. Now, at the time, I had no idea about anything when it came to private Christian colleges or the traditions that held them up. I was of the belief, really, that, uh, or of the mindset that, you know, uh, all of the different denominations and traditions were all Team Jesus. We just have different ways of expressing it. And, oh my, how I wish <laughs> that was the case. But I quickly learned that that is not the case, you know, that a lot of people grow up with certain teachings, and those teachings often can be communicated in very exclusive ways and very hurtful ways. And me, coming from a Methodist church and a Methodist college group that I was at, uh, at West Texas A&M, transferring into Levitt Christian, I had a lot of majors, uh, we'll say, that I transferred into this Bible department, and man, they quickly let me know um, how concerned they were for my eternal destination and uh, the way in which I had become a follower of Jesus. And it's hilarious now, and I could tell so many stories, but it was honestly very surprising, very shocking, and I felt like I was in culture shock. Like, I felt like, like that's a perfect way to describe it. There was, and it was so small. And I mean, Lubbock Christian has a smaller student body than the high school I went to in Amarillo. And so, all, amidst all of these differences and all of this change, I was in love with this girl. And that is why I transferred. I mean, I, I transferred to be a Bible major and be in ministry because I felt, again, from my experience a couple years back, I felt like that's what I was being called into. But if I'm being honest, 95% of the reason I transferred was for this girl. And I transferred. 
I got to Lubbock Christian, and it was a great experience. But about two months into this transfer, this girl that I had met ends up breaking up with me uh, very unexpectedly. And I cannot describe to you the level of hurt and heartbreak um, that that was for me. It truly was a... It was a very difficult time, and it unfortunately made the rest of the semester very difficult to get through, and I was at a crux moment in my life, you can say. This was a moment for me in which that would change the trajectory of everything I'm currently doing, and I hit a moment where the semester was over where I thought, you know, I should just transfer back to WT. Um, that seems like the right thing to do. I had a lot of great friends there. I had a life there. I was part of a college ministry. I was a part of a team. I was kind of working my way up. But I had a lot of friends that convinced me that I made at LCU to stick it out, at least for the full year, to give it a full chance and stick it out and see what happens. Well, I listened to them. I stayed. I came back after the Christmas break. And... That semester changed my life and my trajectory forever. I ended up, again, I was a Bible major, and I ended up taking a class called The Mission of God with a professor named Jim Beck. And it was one of my first classes. I sat down in the classroom, still unsure if whether or not I made the right decision to stay at Lubbock Christian. And I sat down in his class, and he started speaking, and within about a couple minutes of him talking, there was this next divine spirit experience. And as he was speaking, I felt more alive than ever. And I felt like this, this is why. This, this is what I came here for. And the rest is really history. I, I mean, it began with him, this professor, in this class. I ended up changing my major to missions. And for the rest of my LCU experience, I was expanded. I was transformed. Truly, there's no other way to explain it. The things that I was taught the classes I had, the mentoring that was provided, the you know, it's 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 really it's really something else. I and it's hard to put into words, but I was formed. Very similar to the last episode. I was formed in a significant way in the next three and a half years of my time at LCU, and I am indebted to who I am today, to the professors at Lubbock Christian. And along the way of my education, the more and more I went down the road of my degree, you know, I had a practicum, then I ended up working with a nonprofit organization in Nairobi, Kenya. And that was wonderful. It was the first time I had ever traveled cross-culturally and seen the things that I saw, it was transformative. And after I graduated the next year, I ended up going to Tanzania with a really good friend of mine. 
and we did a vision trip slash research trip where we interviewed a whole a whole crowd of different cross-cultural workers working in different contexts, different ministries, different organizations. And that was the last time that I was outside of the country until now. And what was crazy is after this trip, you know, we were the reason that my friend and I went on this trip. The second trip we went to was Tanzania. We went throughout the, almost the entire country. And after the trip, you know, we were working together to put a team together to go and work cross-culturally. And in the process of trying to put a team together and cast a vision and trying to figure out how to do this thing together, life happened for a lot of our friends, uh, a lot of my friends. And some friends moved over here for education. Some friends moved over here for just life reasons. And just it seemed as if everything kind of imploded organically, I should say, there was nothing necessarily bad about what happened, but just life kind of happening and taking everybody where they needed to be at the time that they needed to be there. And same for me, life happened and I was offered a position uh, to work at a coffee shop. And oh, I'm so sorry, before the coffee shop, I was working as a student minister in a small congregation just outside of Lubbock. For about three years and around this time that this mission stuff kind of started this team started kind of fading out of view i was offered a position to work at this nonprofit coffee shop that focused on community development and putting that together with business and of course coffee and coffee is very significant in my life uh, to make a long story short i started getting really really into specialty coffee when I started college and my passion and love for it only grew the more and more as I continued to study and largely because I got to know so many great baristas at these coffee shops and they educated me while I was there studying and reading and writing and doing everything for my for my undergraduate work and my graduate work and I spent a lot of time at coffee shops and a lot of money and I always wanted to be a barista. I thought it would be the coolest job ever. I applied to so many different places. I could never land a spot. And finally, I was offered a position at this coffee shop in Lubbock, and it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was a perfect job. I got to really put my coffee knowledge to the test. I got to learn even more than I thought was possible. And it was great because it was a ministry-related experience with business, which became a large passion of mine. And I was really hurt by the previous ministry experience that I had just left, or I say I left, I was actually let go. And that's a whole nother story for another day. And because I was hurt from that experience, I really didn't want to go back into vocational ministry in the traditional sort of way. And so this opportunity arised. I started working at a coffee shop. It was beautiful. And seven months after I started, somehow uh, the board of directors decided and asked me to lead this coffee shop to become the general manager, which turned into an executive director position. It was one of the most, man, I don't even know how to describe it. I learned 
so much. It was a baptism by fire experience without a doubt, but I learned so much. And as much of a learning situation that it was, it was also one of the most stressful, absolutely stressful jobs I've ever had. Because for those of you who don't know, running a coffee shop, it's essentially like running a restaurant. And if you're a manager, you're never really off. You know, like even if you're off work, you're not really off work because an employee can text you or call you in any emergency situation that goes on. And even though I had a fantastic team behind me and we worked so hard to run that coffee shop and escalate it and, you know, especially during COVID, you know, for those of you that remember that thing, you know, just a couple of years ago, but it's still actually a thing today. And um, that that hit us hard and it, it hit everyone everywhere in a very difficult way but restaurants in particular that was a very difficult spot we found ourselves in and we survived it and I'm that's largely due not to myself I I really do believe I had a great team around me and we were able to rally together and be creative and start new initiatives uh, that really kind of pulled us and made us unique uh, compared to a lot of other places and it was thanks to the community too that surrounded us it was a really really crazy time but it was a beautiful time and (laughs) there came a moment many moments over a couple months where as much as I loved that job it overwhelmed me and I allowed it I allowed it to overwhelm me I did not create healthy boundaries for myself I allowed it to consume my life I became very stressed and I had to be done it, that's the conclusion I came to I had to be done and I think it was the best decision I think if I would have kept going for another couple months like I thought about I think I would have burned out and I don't know where it would have gone from there I don't know if I would be I don't I, I probably would have been in a much worse place worse place I probably would have put my team in a much worse place and the organization in a much worse place so I felt like I made the right decision but I made it very immediately not knowing exactly what I was going to do next but pretty confident that I could at least find a job to pay the bills and so I took about a year off I had, I, I, I've met many friends at a coffee shop and I found a manager that was needing help on a home building um, company called Beaten Bow Homes in Lubbock. And, you know, shout out to all my friends there. And it was a great experience. It's what I needed. Now, I'm not much for home building and that is not my passion at all, but I did, again, learn so much within my year there. But that year was a year that I needed. I needed a year to find work that was consistent, that paid the bills, to find out what exactly I was really wanting to do with my life. And I told you guys this in the last episode. Um, For those of you that don't know, many of you do, I am a huge, huge fan of this guy, his name is Rob Bell. Maybe you've heard of him, but I got onto his podcast. I had heard of Rob Bell my entire life. Grew up with him in my youth group. He had videos. It was awesome. But I had been out of touch with him and his content for 
at that point, I mean, easily over 10 or 15 years. And so I started listening to his podcast, and there's something about that guy that just... Man, when I listen, if you haven't listened to the Robcast, which is what influences the Windcast significantly, its style, you know, I hate to say that I'm copying him. I don't think I'm copying him, but he's influenced me so much to the point that one of the reasons I started this was because of him. And when I listen to him speak, uh, there's a joy, just a true joy that I get about the world. <laughs> about life and I want to be someone like Rob who can hmm who can do the same for other people to live and carry myself in such a way that inspires and empowers others to utilize their gifts in the world and to participate together to make it a better place and I do I truly believe that there's so much joy and hope that he gives me that I also hope this podcast will do the same for others and anyways this year that I was working at this home building company I I listened to probably over 300 of his episodes uh, I listened to all of them and it influenced me in such a way to the point where I realized that the thing the thing that I want to do, you know, there's a there's a quote that he shared that just stuck with me, and is, it still sticks with me, and I share it with everybody, and it's by Henry Thurman, and it says, Don't ask what the world needs. Instead, ask what makes you come alive, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Whew. Man. When I heard that, I was like, okay, okay. I think, I think what makes me come alive the most is creating spaces, creating safe spaces in the world and being able to talk to people about this Jesus tradition and to walk together and figuring out how this Jesus tradition can help us all move forward in love, in grace, in peace, and joy as we work together to reconcile the world with all of the things that are hard and difficult about the world because there are many, many things that make life hard and difficult but I think I think there's something about this Jesus tradition that can move us beyond just ourselves and to recognize that we are all connected to one another in a beautiful holistic way and that there's something about his teachings there's something about this history the history of this Jesus tradition that just, you know, not all parts of that history are great, 
to be sure. There's, there's a lot of ups and a lot of downs, but something about this history that has withstood the test of time and that has moved many people to do the most beautiful things in the world and are still doing beautiful things in the world. I don't know. I figured out that, that that's something I want to be a part of and that is something that I want to join and that, that is what makes me come alive. And so, about a year ago, when I started listening to these podcast episodes, I started to discern, I started to pray, and I started to ask around. <laughs> I started to ask around friends and mentors, essentially for job opportunities, if they had heard of anything specifically related to more of a vocational ministry role. And within, I think, even less than 24 hours after talking with one of my mentors, I hadn't been asking that many people, maybe two or three days, and after maybe less than 24 hours of me asking one of my mentors from my undergraduate um, experience at LCU, he called me and said, hey, I have somebody that you should meet. You want to you wanna meet us at this ice cream place and we can talk about it? And so I was like, okay, well, that's very vague, but sure, yeah, I, I don't mind meeting up and just talking about whatever this could be. And that's where... Have you ever had those moments where, I don't know if this is going to connect with all of you, but for those of you that have seen the old Disney movie Hercules and the stars just align together, it almost seems like everything is coming in harmony. Well, that's, that's essentially what happened to me. There was this director... That was a part of this organization called Nami Congo here in Malawi. And he essentially set me down. We were drinking milkshakes and he kind of gave me the pitch about what they were needing, who they were looking for. And he was giving me all of these initial qualifications of somebody that they were looking for. So I think one of them was something to the effect of what we're looking for. One, somebody that has traveled internationally Two, somebody that has a theological education. And three, somebody that has worked in the coffee business to some, or the coffee industry. Well, <laughs> as you've been listening, hopefully, uh, I meet all of those criteria. And one thing led to the other. Conversations led to interviews with team members, to board of directors, to application processes with sending organizations, to training, to support raising, to buying plane tickets, to packing up all of my things and saying goodbye to those I love the most, to now, at least last Friday. <laughs> A couple days ago, I got on a plane and I flew to Malawi. And I've been settling in the last couple of days. I've been, shout out to the Hayes family. They have taken so much care of me, uh, so much hospitality, a beautiful family, a beautiful home. You, I couldn't ask for really a better way to transition into a new place, a new culture, a new work. 
Even today, I drove for the first time by myself in another country. I drove from the organization uh, that I'm working with, again, called Nami Congo, and I drove back uh, in my own car, and I got to meet a bunch of the staff that I'm going to be working with for the next year of my life. And it was a good day. It was a good day. I got to see the coffee roastery and do some coffee tasting and meet more team members. And the list goes on and on and on of the things that I've done. But I'll talk about more details in another episode. But I've been here for the last couple days settling in. And it's been beautiful. I honestly don't know what it is about I don't, I don't want to just say this place. I've never been to Malawi before, but something about East Africa, East slash South Africa, that's kind of where Malawi is. It's not quite East, but not super South. It's kind of in the middle. They call it the heart, the warm heart of Africa. And it's just one of the most beautiful places I've been, and it's been already transformative for me in so many small ways. So now... Here, I find myself sitting on this beautiful balcony overlooking an even more beautiful valley. Mountains everywhere the eye can see, birds chirping in the air, vehicles passing by on the road. The family is out right now. The kids are playing soccer. And I have no idea how I will evolve over this next year, nor have I any idea of all the things that I will learn and unlearn. <laughs> there are all sorts of emotions that sit at the same level of my heart. Emotions like fear, joy, love, loss, faith, uncertainty, gratitude. You get the idea. One thing is for sure, that when this year is finished, I will not be the same. I was told recently that this upcoming year here in Malawi has the potential to be the most expansive experience I have yet to undergo, but it will not come without sacrifice. Paradoxically, growth is almost always accompanied by pain, but it's the good kind of pain, you know, like the transformative kind of pain that forms us into healthier people whenever we have endured hardship and change. The kind of pain that allows us to transcend former ways of thinking and being and shapes us into becoming more inclusive, wise, loving, and joyful as we continue along the way. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. We have all been there. We have all felt it deep in our bones. Ironically, as I sit here reflecting about this entire thing, I realize that I am not the only one making a sacrifice by moving across the world. In fact, my leaving is a sacrifice that all of those who love me most must also make. It might even feel more hurtful for them because they didn't really get a choice whether or not I take this leap into this job, into this role, this position. So we sacrifice together and we navigate new ways of staying connected, carrying each other in our hearts, wanting the best for one another, while also recognizing 
the gap in proximity, and it's a significant one. I think it's a seven-hour time difference. This tension is felt within all of us, to be sure, and relationships will be challenged and changed. Yet, I am hopeful that during this year, and possibly many more to come, we will receive this change as an invitation to deepen relationships, not abandon them or distance ourselves from one another, not carry resentment in our hearts, but to celebrate and to encourage one another wherever we might find ourselves. To all of you who I have left, from Amarillo to Lubbock and beyond, please know that I love each of you deeply, more than words can articulate. Leaving you is the single greatest hardship of my life thus far. My friends, if you haven't put it together, at least I hope you've been able to put it together throughout the entire story I've just told, there are no detours. Somewhere between the end and the point where we begin, every step that we take onto an unexpected path establishes more and more the one road that each of us have been walking the entire time because everything connects to everything else, because every unexpected turn forms us into what we have become in this very moment. So, may you celebrate the unexpected. May you listen to your heart and brave what is most feared. May you learn to transcend what is known while including everything that has come before. And may grace and peace be with you, my brothers and sisters, every step of the way.